We are live on the Outkick Network. This is Hot Mike. I am Chad Withrow. As you can see, to my right right now is an empty seat. Sadly, Jonathan Hutton and his beard will not be with us today. He will be back next week, but it's Friday. We're excited. We say it all the time. Weekends start on Thursdays on this show. So we're well within the weekend right now on this Friday. And we're coming to you live from a distillery and a brewery. No better place in the world on a Friday than 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Again, I'm Chad Withrow. A lot of great things planned for you throughout the show today. Got some big guests coming up a little bit later in the show that we're going to get to, including our normal weekly segments with Michael Fabiano. We're going to talk with Keenan Reynolds, former Navy quarterback, who is actually up in Boston on Radio Row for the Army-Navy game that will kick off tomorrow. Talk to him about the importance of that game, his role in that series. We'll get into all that a little bit later in the show. And another one of our normal weekly Friday guests is Kelly in Vegas. Kelly Stewart and Kelly in Vegas is guest co-hosting today on this show. She'll be with us for three hours, which is such a treat on this Friday. Kelly, how are you? Oh, Chad, it's Friday. So, you know, I'm fired up. Three-hour show. You and I are going to have some fun. Three-hour show. I love the emphasis on the three-hour show. Uh, we, we said that to me on the phone also. Three hours. We're going to make these three hours feel like three minutes for the viewer. That That is the goal today, Kelly. I know that we can accomplish it. I know we can get this job done. I know you're fired up about some things that we're going to get into. We have a segment on the show called Scorched Earth where we're going to hit a number of headlines. That's coming up later. Uh, I think Kelly's going to go Scorched Earth, though, here very soon. But first, I want to go a little bit Scorched Earth to start the show. Big story from yesterday was Bill's coach, Sean McDermott, and uh, something that came out that happened in 2019. And what happened was Sean McDermott, in a team meeting, trying to rally the troops and talking about the need for his team to come together, decided to reference the 9-11 terrorists and ask his team, how did they come together? How did they execute their plot? And this was his way of motivating and urging his team to try to come together. Not a good move. Happened in 2019. He says he pretty quickly apologized the team, or I don't know if it was an apology as much as a clarification or tried to understand what was going on or let his team understand what was happening. Um, I kind of, I don't laugh at the, you know, joking about 9-11, but I do laugh about the fact that this story comes out in 2023 when the Bills are 6-6. Six and six. And suddenly there's some questions about Sean McDermott. Suddenly, okay, stories like this start to pop up when the Bills aren't winning. It's sort of a timed honor tradition that we've seen throughout sports. Here's what I'll say about football coaches and Sean McDermott specifically. A lot of them just aren't very smart. This may come as a shock to diehard football fans out there, and I'm one of them. Football coaches, there are some that are just really good at knowing football and really bad about knowing anything else. Like, I don't know, when not to try to rally your team around the idea of being terrorist flying a plane into a building. Probably not a smart thing to, to talk about with your team. Probably not a good way to go about motivating your squad. Most sane people and smart people understand this. I don't think Sean McDermott's all that smart. And I think there are a lot of football coaches like that. I think people confuse intelligence with expert fo football knowledge. I think Nick Saban's very intelligent. I think Nick Saban could probably do anything he wanted outside of football. 
I think Mike McDaniel is very intelligent. I think Mike McDaniel could be successful in any number of professional pursuits. I think Peyton Manning has shown really smart guy, really good quarterback in football, could probably coach a football team. He's on television now talking about it all the time. He's an intelligent dude. He could do a lot of different things. There are a lot of football coaches out there, and Sean McDermott is likely one of them, given this story, that just aren't that bright outside of the game of football. So while many are shocked and outraged by this, don't be. Just understand that football coaches are dumb just like the rest of us and don't treat them any differently. Kelly, you've covered sports a long time. You've been around sports a long time. You know that there are a lot of dumb football coaches out there. You know, I usually articulate them to being dumb by, you know, kicking field goals when down two scores. I usually give them the benefit of the doubt. And being in the gambling world, I never really had that much access to these guys But Sean McDermott, definitely a bonehead move here. But it's wild to me. We're talking about something that happened almost four years ago. In the age of social media, how did this just now come to light? I think it's just they're just now losing. I really think it's that simple. I kind of joked about it, but it's amazing how these stories about someone being bad at their job only creep up when things are going bad. Like every That's college, a very good point. Think about every college coaching job that we've seen over the years that it's not until things start to fall apart that stories start getting leaked about the coach. When they're winning, no one's going to report anything. No one's going to say anything. But now that there's some question, Sean McDermott had to fire his offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Team is 6-6. Six and six, They should be better. Now that there's some question, and I, think, I don't think it's all that warranted, but there are some questions about his job security if this thing falls apart and they don't make the playoffs, now all of a sudden you get stories about him being Michael Scott from the office in front of the team and talking about 9-11 and how they need to unite like the terrorists did on that fateful day. It's crazy. But it's also, I hear it and I think, yeah, I've watched Sean McDermott press conferences and I, I just think that he's probably not that smart at anything other than football. And that's probably a fair assumption. And it's probably an unfortunate assumption. Chad, uh, you mentioned all of us as a whole, I would have to agree. Sometimes people use stories and don't think it through, right? There he is probably in the locker room trying to get his team fired up. And he thinks of a group of people who rallied together for a common goal. I can think of a lot of other things that I would have liked him to use as opposed to the 9-11 terrorists. It was an unfortunate thing, but I would have to agree with you. He either didn't think it through or definitely thought somehow it was going to motivate his team. And think of all the, you know, one of my favorite things about Army-Navy week are the uniform reveals and how they show the uniform for the game and they show the moment in history that it's saluting. Uh, I was watching one before the show with the Army uniform and it's, uh, it's honoring, in 2003, the invasion of, of Baghdad and the, the division that did that. And it's, uh, it's really cool, and it's a great history lesson. But I see those things, and I think there are so many points in U.S. history you could have pointed to. Uh, the invasion of Normandy, you know, how we came together as a country during that time, the 101st Airborne during the invasion of Normandy. And he chose 9-11 on the other side to talk about a point of his team uniting. It's, it's baffling, the stupidity. And look, he apologized for it. I'm not here to cancel Sean McDermott or say he should be suspended or fined or fired or any of that. He's going to have to wear it by being an idiot for having done that in front of his team. And I think that's enough punishment for him. 
I don't think anything else should happen. But to me, it's just an illustration that sometimes coaches aren't smarter than the rest of us. And when fans question coaches, coaching decisions or coaches, I think it's fair a lot of times because, quite frankly, there are a lot of fans who are a lot smarter than coaches. They're a lot smarter than the coaches that coach their team. Those coaches may know football more than, than the common fan, but in life, I know plenty of coaches who are dumb and plenty of people who don't coach who are really, really smart. So it doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption, right? I think a lot of us think on Monday morning we're far smarter than these coaches as well. Uh, the old adage, Monday morning quarterback comes into play. So it is easier to come from the outside looking in, but I think you nailed it. All of a sudden now the press in Buffalo wants to uh, shed some light on Sean McDermott because you're right, he is absolutely in the hot seat. So this story has been buried until, well, now they didn't want it to be. So Kelly, another group of or profession we think of as pretty smart are university presidents, those that lead academia all over the country. But there is one story at your alma mater at Kansas State that's garnering some national headlines involving a star player on that team, really the third best player, Nyquan Tomlin at Kansas State from a year ago, and now his separation from the program. Can you give us the backstory of this and what exactly is going down at your beloved alma mater? You know, it's really unfortunate here, Chad, um, because I never want to paint my university in a negative light. I will say this, Naismith, Coach of the Year, Jerome Tang, huge fan. Gene Taylor, Athletic Director of the Year, huge fan. I think those men were put into place to do their jobs. And what we have here now is a university president not allowing them to do so. I've always kind of been told to question authority. So a couple of days ago, I started questioning and I started getting answers that I didn't really like. And there were a lot of um, unknowns. I was told to stand down. I didn't know the whole story. Well, growing up in Manhattan, Kansas, guess what? I still know a lot of people. So I started making some phone calls because I wasn't going to stand down. Something was very interesting here, right? We were told, okay, there was a bar fight in Aggieville, which is the bar district. There was some video that we are not allowed to see. There were some, well, we'll call it um, eyewitness accounts, right? From security guards, as well as another player. But I have to think we let the legal process play out. So I say nothing, right? This was uh, in October. I say nothing. On the 16th of November, a diversion was granted for Naquan. I said, okay, we're going to see him come back. I traveled to the Bahamas to watch this team in the Baja Mar tournament. While Naquan was at home, he had purchased 50 turkeys from a local grocery store to hand out. He did not get to make that trip. He did his community service. He did everything that was asked of him. And frankly, looking back, I really think the university president gaslit us on Naquan's potential return because I do not believe he ever wanted him to return. So two days ago, I said, hey, on Twitter, we should start questioning what is really going on here. By all accounts, the head coach says he should be able to play. By all accounts, the athletic director says he should play. Why is the university president gatekeeping this young man from playing basketball, right? He did not get suspended from school. In fact, he's graduating on Saturday. Now, again, remember allegations much different than charges and convictions are much different than charges. So he has not been convicted of anything. He was granted a diversion. Now, 
I asked questions. We didn't get any answers. We had Gene Taylor, our athletic director, put out a statement saying Naquan was no longer going to be on the team. There was not one, but two protests on the campus yesterday and the day before, one in front of the president's house, one in front of the president's office, which is Anderson Hall. Jerome Tang, head coach of the basketball team, showed up at the protest and said, hey, guys, please just go home. Let's let this go. Let's go pray for Naquan. This young man needs it. Said, okay, I will stand down. I had also been told by some other people that members of the media needed to be stand, needed to stand down. And I said, you know, do we not believe in First Amendment rights here at Kansas State? Well, sure enough, Naquan's video uh, that somebody else had taken showed him showing up to one of those protests. He did a what we call a drive-by in uh, another player's car. He was riding shotgun, and now today. The university president puts out a statement saying there's more to the story. Well, according to the authorities, there is no more to the story. Again, allegations like that can be very serious. I think it's a real travesty what we're seeing. And of course, today, Naquan has entered the transfer portal. So if other NCAA schools are going to allow him to play, why won't Kansas State? Uh, I, I am frankly upset about it. Uh, this is my alma mater that I love to have an, an academic who really has no ties other than getting hired for this job, come in and try to ruin, in my opinion, some of the best parts of Kansas State. And that is love. That is family. That is togetherness. Manhattan, Kansas doesn't have a lot to offer, as most college towns don't. My entire existence and growing up in Manhattan was surrounded around this university whether it was baseball, football, basketball, women's basketball, volleyball. Gene Taylor has went in there and has done nothing short of a miracle. We now have a nationally ranked volleyball team. We have a nationally ranked women's basketball team. We had a basketball program that was so mediocre under Bruce Weber and was transformed in less than a year. We have a head football coach who just won a Big 12 championship. I don't understand why in March, President Linton can sit here and say, all of these wonderful things about Jerome Tang and about Gene Taylor, and then not allow them to do their jobs. I never want to go here. I really never wanted this to be a thing, but I think we are seeing a real authoritarian president overreaching. Again, he has the power, right, Chad? But where have we seen this prior? We haven't. This is a dangerous precedent being set, not only for future student athletes, but for possibly this university saying, hey, you know what? You get into a little bit of trouble. You are not welcome here, even though the legal process has played out and you are cleared of everything. Well, it, some really good, well said, Kelly, and I think some really good points made about this. One, hire good people and let them do their work and let them do good work. And when you're the university president, there is a time to delegate responsibility and decision-making to an athletic department, an athletic director, as you mentioned, Gene Taylor has been very successful and made a lot of good decisions. Same goes for Jerome Tang. And also, in a transfer portal NIL era, the only truly loyal people in college sports are the alums, are the fans. We're not going anywhere, right? We're not taking an NIL deal to go to another school. We're not entering the transfer portal as fans or alum I think that lesson needs to be learned by administration for someone like the president at K-State who's just taking job after job and moving up and going to different places. 
that's not the university. That, that's not what makes K-State, K-State, or Tennessee, Tennessee, or Mississippi State, Mississippi State. And I don't think many people in power understand that point. I would have to agree, and it's unfortunate. Uh, I sent a text to a good buddy of mine this morning, and I said, man, this is eerily reminiscent of when, well, you would know him, Mr. John Curry ran Frank Martin out of town just to turn around and leave for the University of Tennessee. And then K-State's basketball program subsequently was absolutely atrocious for the next decade. Except this time, it's not an athletic director because those two have a great rapport. I actually asked Gene Taylor at the KU basketball game last year. I had not flown home for a basketball Hey, Kelly, let's talk about the other side of the break, okay? We're up against a a hard out right here. And we're going to talk about Dabo Sweeney's Zoom backdrop. That's coming up next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on a Friday. We are well within our weekend right now. Hope you're having a great one. I am live. I'm Chad Withrow, and I'm live at 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, with old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer, as we are every day. Jonathan Hutton's going to be back with us next week. Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas, with us guest co-hosting throughout this afternoon. As Kelly has mentioned multiple times, three hours, three hours she will be on with us today. Uh, part of the 15 hours we do here on Hot Mike every week. And uh, Kelly's a trooper. She's going to stick with it the entire time. Kelly, we now are down to two hours and 39 minutes left of the show. So we, we are rocking and rolling right now. I'm glad you're doing a countdown just to get through it to Friday afternoon. I'm sure you're ready for some of that moonshine. Uh, absolutely. Uh, may start before the show's over. Who knows? It's uh, the, the day is young. As, as, as we know, three-hour show. We're, we're not even halfway through the first hour yet. Kelly, as someone that has a great Zoom backdrop that you have right now that I'm, I'm looking at, um, I am someone that if forced in my home into the office that even though I've been in this house for 10 years, is still not fully decorated – uh, it looks almost like I'm in my college apartment just with the backdrop of the wall and nothing behind it. I can sympathize with those that don't have great Zoom backdrops. Normally, I try to get in a spot in front of a bookcase that looks a little bit better. But if in my office, I can sympathize with, I don't know, Dabo Sweeney, Clemson head coach who's getting ready for his Gator Bowl appearance and did his Zoom press conference from what looks like the map room of a 1975 ranch-style home uh, in a suburb somewhere. We're showing you the photo of Dabo Sweeney right now. Um, This does not look like something befitting someone making the money that Dabo Sweeney is making. That, oh, by the way, Kelly, a caller pointed out and said, why are we paying you this much money again Uh, when they were struggling to a 4-4 and record earlier this season, which prompted him to get very mad. That's not the best backdrop. No, it looks like he, uh, well... Uh, my backdrop is wood, right? There's just uh, wood paneling that should have probably been removed from whatever room that was about 20 years ago. There's uh, there's trends, there's things that come in and out from, uh, we'll call it interior design world. But man, that is, uh, it looks like he might as well be like in a bunker somewhere. Like, what are we doing? You got your map on your wall so you can plan your escape. I, I'm not sure where Dabo's at, but 
Yeah, that is, uh, that's pretty comical. Also, the ceiling, uh, it almost looks like the ceiling of like my elementary school, a classroom there. It's, There's it's definitely a, asbestos in that ceiling. Yeah, they should get that checked out. it's a very, very different ceiling. Like you throw your pencil up and it's going to stick in that ceiling every time. You that's were what that it looks kid. Like. I know exactly. You were the kid. You probably had six pencils stuck above your desk at all points in time. That's well, probably Tyler from Spartanburg's basement and Debo's being held hostage that's at the moment. It. Thank you, David. Oh Tyler goodness. from Spartanburg was the caller. Yes. Or maybe he was just having dinner with Tyler in Spartanburg to completely tell him once again, you know, this is why I make the big money and the big bucks. Or maybe so I can afford a, a better basement than the one that I'm, I'm in right now. I, I, I look at the wood paneling in your backdrop, Kelly, and I don't know what you call that decor, uh, but it's modern wood is how I would describe it. This is... This is more of a pastime wood that you've got going on at Davos. This is this is more of a modern design plan. Do you have a name for what that is behind you, the decor? Uh, these are called slats. So you can buy individual slats, yes. and then you can hang shelves and drawers. So I really got sick of the, the blue screen, the green screen. It really limits your color choices. And then I kept going back and forth between being a blonde and a brunette. So then half the time, my hair looks terrible. So I said, you know what? I want to build something really nice that just looks great no matter what I'm wearing, what show I'm on. So this is what I went with. It looks great. Uh, it, it looks terrific. And me not being able to identify the word slats makes me sound like someone like Sean McDermott that's probably going to make a 9-11 joke at some point today during the show. Hopefully I won't, but we'll find out soon enough. Uh, let's get to our dumpster fires of the week, shall we? It is a Friday. It is time to acknowledge those that aren't doing things the best way. My dumpster fire of the week is the PGA Live Tour merger. Remember that old story where they said they were going to merge and it was going to be a partnership and everything was going to be together and the fighting was going to stop and it was just going to be a better brand of golf because now all of the Saudi oil money, the private investment fund, was just going to funnel into the PGA. I called it what it was, a hostile takeover. The Saudi Arabia is buying golf is what's taking place. They're going to fund every turn, uh, tournament. They're going to fund the tour. Golfers are going to make a ton more money, which is great for them, but it's what it is. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about where that could happen next and what different levels of industry that with that much money, you could just take over an entire industry if you wanted, like they're taking over the, the sport of golf. But where is that now? Because we're going to talk about it later also, but John Rahm is getting bought and paid for to move from PGA to live. John Rahm, the same guy who was very outspoken against the live tour, but now suddenly he's moving. I thought everybody was together. I thought the fighting stopped. I thought the war was over. I thought a merger was taking place. Wasn't that the whole point of everyone being mad at Jay Monahan for backdooring this thing and secretly meeting with the private investment fund and merging at one point? Well, where is that now? And why are people leaving the PGA Tour to go to live when I thought the plan was to consolidate both together at some point? I'm confused. It's a dumpster fire, and it's my dumpster fire of the week. Kelly in Vegas has one Kelly that we could probably call a dumpster fire for most of this season, but especially this week when you see what's going on with the Jets. Yeah, you kind of have to feel for Jets fans, right? Look, they thought, hey, we got Aaron Rodgers. Everybody was betting him to win the Super Bowl. I said, everybody pump the brakes. Take the under nine and a half wins. I'm not saying I look smart. I definitely did never. I never wanted to see one of my favorite quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, get hurt. I just wanted to see him throw around a couple of Microsoft surfaces when his receivers didn't run the right route or his O-lineman let him get sacked. 
But instead, they got stuck with Zach Wilson once again, and then they benched him for Tim Boyle, who's no longer on the team, and now they're bringing back Zach again. You have to feel for the kid, right? You get shoved to the side. Now you get brought back in. Then you get shoved to the side for the third stringer, who's now cut, and now you're supposed to march back out there. If I'm Zach Wilson, you know what I do? You go out there, you play fun, you play free. You have one of the best defenses in the NFL. You win games on the back of your defenses. Go out there, have fun, sling it around. We know he has the arm strength. We know that he knows how to run this offense. We've seen him be able to do it. I think this is a week for him to prove a lot of naysayers wrong. Yeah, I think this is, um, it's a very odd situation in that everyone has already given up on him, I feel like. So, like, how dead can you be before you come back from the dead? And I guess he's got an opportunity to be, like, buried. Funeral was, you know, two weeks ago. And then he's going to rise from the grave if he actually does something. I'm interested to watch it. But Aaron Rodgers, as the arbiter of all things Jets organization, has been fun to follow on the Pat McAfee show, where he's going to call out Joe Namath. He's going to call out leaks within the organization. He's going to do all of it. It's, it's entertaining regardless i don't think you're that entertained kelly is in the state of florida right now davy yeah i don't think florida gator fans are all that entertained at this moment they are not and real quick before i get into that i'm going to combine your two dumpster fires take the saudis and a team from new york and next thing we'll know the saudis will be buying the buffalo bills but anyway (laughs) um if you look at billy napier's time at florida i know he didn't walk in people yes I, i know he didn't walk into the best situation but now we're at the point to where he's getting clowned by some kid. I got a video I want to show you, but um, he's smiling for a picture, and this is what happened whenever you just go to talk to a high school. A smile if LSU dropped 50 on you. <laughs> I mean, like, I get it. You can't, like, just smack the kid there like you would probably want to, but just laughing it off. And then, of course, all the fans on Twitter are just going to roast you. It's bad enough you lose. Then you got some 14-year-old clowning you on top of that. But to go even further in this dumpster fire, uh, Nick Delatora put out the tweet that the Gators now have half of Billy Napier's first recruiting class in the transfer portal. Back-to-back losing seasons. They're not going to a bowl. It's do or die time for Billy Napier, and right now it's die. It's Davey, let me interject there. Sorry, Chad. I want to say something. Living in the state of Florida, and um, I went. Out, I kind of went off to start the show about Kansas State University, but I will say this. It, whether it's good or bad, our expectations are hampered. You know who don't have their expectations hampered? Oh, the University of Texas. Oh, the University of Alabama. Oh, the University of Florida. Florida fans down here need to take a minute. You have Billy Napier, who I think is a great recruiter and I think also an excellent coach. You have got to give these guys time to develop. The problem is now we have the NIL where you got to pay guys. We know the Florida Gators have money, but then you have the transfer portal where they're going to leave if they sit on the bench. I think this new the, the new way these coaches are trying to have to navigate all of these missing pieces is so tough. And then with the expectation to automatically win the SEC or a national championship within your first couple of years is tough. We just saw it with Jimbo Fisher at A&M. Everybody thought, oh, we're going to take him. He won a national championship at Florida State. What happened there in College Station? I think everybody needs to pump the brakes and understand that you need time to develop. We used to give coaches five, six, seven years. Now we kick them out the door after two or three I mean, the, the expectations are high from the beginning, but whenever you do look at some of these programs that have the resources available, I know it wasn't Billy's fault that Jaden Rashada didn't end up at Florida, but I, 
you can't feel good if you look at their 2024 schedule. And I, this is one of those things like I commend the teams that go out and pretty much just schedule only power five teams uh, for their non-conference next year. Florida's going to be playing the Hurricanes of Miami. They're going to be playing uh, UCF, which will technically, I mean, it's a big 12 school at this point. And then they have Florida State on top of that. So it's one of those situations where they are just playing a gauntlet of a schedule. They're not good right now. It's going to be bad again next season. And I, I don't know a world where a Florida coach can afford three straight losing seasons and keep his job. Well, no, Sunbelt sun Billy. Sunbelt Billy. Listen, I like Billy Napier. I would gladly take him uh, in Manhattan, Kansas, if they don't want him in Gainesville. This is kind of the issue, though. When you have these kids that we are allowing to just jump ship after one year, it is very hard to develop talent, right? We're so. no longer developing players. You've either got to poach players, which is a whole nother argument, but we're seeing it happen, or you've got to bring them in in hopes that they're willing to sit on the bench for a year or two. It's a tough place to be, especially in the SEC, where it's win or go home right out of the gate. So going back to the video... Uh, of Billy Napier and that kid. Billy Napier is one thing for sure. He's a better man than me because I just slapped the hell out of that kid <laughs> for doing that. I mean, that is such disrespect of, I mean, you are a grown man and a college football head coach in the SEC at some dude's school trying to recruit him to offer him a scholarship. And I don't, is that kid being recruited or is I, he I just think, in the hall? I think that was like a fan that came and said, hey, Billy, can I get a picture? And that's when he decided to clown. I think the guy was an LSU fan. Uh, based off, well, yeah, obviously, I mean, he's talking about LSU dropping 50 on him. So. I mean, he called me old school, but that's my son. I, I am telling him to shut up. There's a level of After respect that, you need to have. If I'm and, Billy Napier, yeah. I'm smacking him in the back of the head. I would have made what Bobby Knight did to that kid to get fired that called him Knight whenever he went after him. I'd have made that look tame after I, I smacked that smile off his face. After he did that, that kid need, needed to get smacked in that moment, quite frankly. Yeah, but he would have lost his job. And you know that. He, oh, well, that's what I'm saying. Kudos Look, to him Billy for Napier's composure. a nice guy. Like everything I've heard about him is he's not a temperamental dude. I, I'm, I'm saying he's a better man than me for not reacting differently. I don't know that I actually would have physically assaulted the kid. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit extreme there. I would have wanted to, though. I can guarantee you that. But I would have told him, like, come on, kid. You know, you don't want to make a scene in a a high school uh, hallway. I get that. But also, it's like, come on, dude. Let's let's not. It's a rough scene. Let's not. Kelly, uh, quickly, I wanted to ask you this also, since you're down there in Florida. How bad has the reaction been in that state from what happened to Florida State with, with getting snubbed in the college football playoff? So uh, one of my best friends down here is married to a Florida State grad. I still have not spoken to him. She said it was pretty bad that day in her household. Look, there's a there's a bunch of arguments to be made, right? I do think Florida State should have gotten in because the precedent previously set was win and you're in. You go 13-0, you win your conference championship, you get in. Uh, but we all know the committee could not have snubbed the SEC because that's ultimately what should have happened. Texas won in Tuscaloosa. Florida State should have got in. They did not. If we're doing it based on power ratings – Neither Alabama nor Florida State would have got in, nor Texas, in my opinion. But that's a whole other argument for another day. Would have been Georgia, is what you're saying? Would have been Georgia, and it would have been Oregon. Yeah. I, I think just it, it's funny because what's what was right and what got to maybe the best matchups may be two different things. Because I think what was right was Michigan 1, Washington 2, Florida State 3, Texas 4. That's Correct. how I would have numbered them. But – it's hard to argue with Nick Saban versus Jim Harbaugh. 
So I see the appeal, and, and, and you know, Alabama's had a great year after starting slow. They've gotten better and better. They, they've been terrific. But I do find it hilarious that suddenly Georgia, who was number one in your ranking the week before, lost by three points to Alabama on a neutral site, and that's all they've done all year that's remotely bad. And now suddenly they're sixth in the ranking. Uh, that part is, is never going to make a lot of sense to me. So we are going to have our normal weekly sports betting segment with Kelly in Vegas coming up, where she's going to give us her picks of the week. That's coming up a little bit later. Another weekly segment on the show, some fantasy football analysis. Michael Fabiano with SI joins us every week. He's going to give us his sits and starts. He's going to tell us what to do. If you've got a viewer submission you want to give to us, let us know in the YouTube chat. We'll ask your question to Michael Fabiano. That's coming up next. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. We're back. It's Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow coming to you live from our 6th and Peabody Studios downtown Nashville with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Kelly in Vegas, Kelly Stewart co-hosting with us today. Jonathan Hutton's going to be back with us on Monday. Every Friday at this time, we're joined by Michael Fabiano. He is the senior fantasy analyst with Sports Illustrated on with us right now. We've talked Zoom backdrops today. Uh, Kelly's got a good one. Michael has a fantastic one with all the helmets behind him that just got even a little bit better. I spend, I plan on spending some time this weekend watching some Christmas movies at some point, and this is really getting me in the, in the spirit when I see the Christmas lights around the helmets back there, Michael. Terrific work with that. Uh, I appreciate that. Best Christmas movie, the 1951 black and white version of A Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim, hands down. Although Christmas Vacation is right up there. I go Christmas Vacation 1, but now you've got me interested in watching uh, the 1951 Christmas Carol, oh, which I don't think I've one. seen. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to check that one out, uh, no doubt. So uh, expectations going into last night from a fantasy standpoint for that game versus what we saw in that game. That the outcome aside with the Steelers losing again uh, back-to-back games to uh, teams that were not good, what did we learn last night fantasy football-wise? Now, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> like, honestly, Fair. I, Mitchell Trubisky and Bailey Zappi were probably in my bottom five quarterbacks in my rankings. They are going to finish in the top 10 this week. That's crazy town. Nobody started these guys. They're backups. They're bums. The Steelers fans didn't even want Trubisky out there. He was getting booed off the field. But in fantasy, he scored almost 21 points. Uh, yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. Um, at the end of that game, I felt thoroughly defeated as an analyst because I think I pre- predicted everything wrong except for Zeke Elliott having a good game. It, it was a rough one, man. I mean, but uh, I always say the only thing that's predictable about the NFL is the unpredictability of the NFL. No doubt about it. We're going to get to your starts and sits. Kelly's got a question for you coming up also. But first, I want to ask you about Trevor Lawrence and how fantasy owners should handle that situation. There's the video of him practicing I don't know that we really saw him do a lot uh, on that ankle uh, but based on what we saw with him not getting carted off the field but not even hobbling off basically being carried to the locker room versus what we're seeing now and his chances of playing on Sunday how should owners handle that you're gonna have to wait right up until game time I don't know if he's gonna play I don't think the Jaguars know if he's gonna play uh, and I'm concerned about that because the Browns first off have one of the best defenses in the league especially at home and do I want to start Trevor Lawrence in a bad matchup at less than 100%? I, I don't know about that. 
But to be honest with you, it's probably better than C.J. Beathard uh, against any defense, to be quite honest with you. So you're probably going to have to wait uh, until we find out if he's going to go or not. That's going to be part of the inactives report um, against the Browns. And even on Cleveland side, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Joe Flacco, I would think, would start. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson was removed from the injury report, so he might start. This week is going to stink. It is going to be a headache, and it's the last week of the regular season in fantasy before we go to the playoffs. And I promise you, you're going to have to break out the Excedrin because there's going to be a lot of headaches like there were last night. Kelly, go ahead. You got something for him? You want me to keep? Yeah, I do. So, Michael, my biggest problem with fantasy is I hate it. Right? Every year, (laughs) I get I my whoever I draft. Whoever I draft in the first round always gets hurt, right? Last year was the first year in our big money league. I finally made the playoffs. Now I'm on the outside looking in. I need a win for Sunday to get in. If only, just like in real life, the front runner who I'm playing this week just sat everybody because he's already into the playoffs and has a first round bye. Uh, But my problem is here, I tend to align my fantasy lineups with my bets. So I like Chicago this week, and we'll get to that later on in the show. But that means I want to sit Jared Goff and start uh, Jordan Love. I'm kind of in this back-and-forth conundrum. They're basically both projected uh, to have the same amount of points. Am I crazy for addressing fantasy like I do my gambling? No, not at all, because they're, they're kind of overlapping, right? I mean, when you're looking at player props, you're looking at fantasy points too because yards and touchdowns equal fantasy points. And I think you're 100% on the ball. Jordan Love is a better play this week than Jared Goff, at least if we you know, go through the process. Jordan Love has had three straight games over 20 fantasy points. The Giants stink against quarterbacks. On the flip side, Goff, although he's been better on the road lately, is typically not great on the road. And the Bears' defense has played better lately. I mean, what do we have? Four interceptions against Joshua Dobbs before the bye? So, no, I, I'm all in on Jordan Love this week, and uh, I would certainly start him over golf and the whole wagering and fantasy, like those two worlds kind of collide. Uh, they're interchangeable. So uh, you're, we're all looking at the same thing, except for you're looking at, you know, pure yards and touchdowns and catches and that kind of thing. And we're looking at how those equate into fantasy points. You're a bears fan, by the way. Oh no. Unfortunately, I'm a long suffering Broncos fan about every 25 oh, okay. years. They give me a Super Bowl, and it just brings me right back in. No, I I just really like the Bears plus three and a half, and we'll get into that later. Uh, And that sometimes shouldn't carry over because, obviously, I'm not going to go 100% on my sports betting. But the last question I have for you is Dolphins or Ravens? I'm kind of back and forth. I have no bets on either sides of those games. Which defense would you start? Uh, This week, Dolphins against the Titans. I'm actually going to be going to that game on Monday night. Uh, There's two Monday night games, which is strange because they're both at the same time. I just don't get it. Uh, But uh, Miami's defense has played very well from a fantasy perspective. They've been very productive over the last couple of weeks. They've had really good matchups. This is another one against a rookie quarterback. Uh, The Ravens at home, tough defense. They're playing against the Rams, a more talented offense than Tennessee has. I'm going with the Dolphins this week. Awesome. Thanks for your advice. Right here. And and you know what? If If I get it wrong, at Michael underscore Fabiano, Feel free to just go ahead and take shots at me. It's fine. I, I always tell people I'm here to help you with your lineups and, uh, you know, take the blame when you don't 
make the right calls. Well, the Titans play their home games about a half a mile from the studio I'm sitting in right now, and uh, I can confirm that uh, you should take the Dolphins defense <laughs> against this Titans offense. So that, I think that's a very good play and a good suggestion from Michael. Michael Fabiano with us every week. Starts and sits this week. We know you like Jordan Love as a start. Yep. Who else are you starting this week? Uh, Rashad White, forget about the matchup. Atlanta's good against running backs, but uh, what do they say? Jimmy Crack Corden, I don't care. Uh, he's been so good uh, over the last two months. The last time he played Atlanta, he had almost 16 points. Zach Moss is a very good play. I know last week the numbers were not great, but he's got a good matchup against the Bengals. Over the last four weeks, they're giving up right around 24 points per game to running backs. Jalen Waddle's not been great lately. Uh, 10.2 or fewer points in three of his last four. He had a rotten game last week, even if it was against the Commanders. I'm still playing him against Tennessee. Good matchup there. And then Corland Sutton, like this guy has scored nine touchdowns in 12 games. He's got the Chargers this week. They struggle against perimeter receivers. So start Cortland Sutton. Uh, I guess you'll be happy to know that since he plays for your Broncos. Yeah, Kelly, very excited about that Cortland Sutton play this week. What are some, who are some players we should not be excited about, Michael? Some guys that if you've got them on your roster, you should probably think about putting them on the bench this week. A lot of big names here. I'd be aware of CJ Stroud this week. And I get it. Like he's been so good this year. He's, he's done something that most rookie quarterbacks who are not rushing quarterbacks have done. And he's made an impact. Uh, this season, but the Jets defense has held to a tongue of Aloha, Josh Allen, uh, and Patrick Mahomes, all three pretty damn good quarterbacks to fewer than 14 points in New York. Not a great matchup for Stroud. Uh, DeAndre Swift against my beloved Dallas Cowboys this week. Uh, he has scored fewer than 10 points in three of his last four games. The Cowboys defense, very tough on running backs. And Swift actually was out snapped by Kenneth Gainwell last week. Alexander Madison's got a good matchup on paper but he has been held to single digits in all but one of his last six games. And the Raiders have actually been tougher against running backs lately, allowing 3.4 yards per carry since week 10 at wide receiver, Adam Thielen. Remember when he was so good earlier in the season? Well, that carry just turned into a pumpkin. Uh, he has failed to score more than 10.2 points in four of his last five games. And the saints defense is tough against slot receivers. And finally, Chris Godwin, he didn't catch a pass last week. It was the first time he had been held without a catch. Since like 2018, the matchup's not great against Atlanta either. Chris Godwin should be on your bench. So Vikings are a three-point road favorite against the Raiders. Josh Dobbs is going to start again after a disastrous performance on Monday Night Football. Uh, but he did have the go-ahead drive at one point before the Vikings defense surrendered it to the, to the Bears. How do we view Justin Jefferson? getting back in the rotation, but having Josh Dobbs throwing him passes from a fantasy perspective? It's kind of unknown, right? I mean, he's very rarely caught passes from anybody than Kirk Cousins in his career. Uh, I have him ranked near the bottom of the top 10. Typically, Justin Jefferson is like one or two because I just don't know what the rapport is with Joshua Dobbs and how he's going to fit into uh, the offense in terms of the rapport that he has with Dobbs and the connection that they may or may not have been able to established over the last couple of weeks in practice. Obviously you're starting Justin Jefferson. That's a no brainer. Anybody who tells you not to is a little bit loony, even though he hasn't played in a while and we don't have Kirk cousins. Um, but yeah, it's one of the great unknowns uh, of the week. And that's going to be one of the questions that we're going to have answered is what is Justin Jefferson without Kirk cousins throwing on the football? He's an elite wide receiver, no matter what. Uh, but I wonder if his ceiling takes a little bit of a hit with Dobbs under center. We're going to find out. Viewer submission for you, Michael. Uh, half PPR league, which two of the following three are you starting? Brees Hall, 
Zay Flowers, Cortland Sutton. We know that you like Cortland Sutton, but two of yeah. those three, who are you taking? Brees Hall right now is a little bit banged up. Um, so you got to keep tabs on what his practice report is for today. Right now, I'd probably go Sutton and Brees, uh, but keep tabs on the status of Brees Hall. If there's any word about him potentially losing some carries to Dalvin Cook because he's not at 100%, you may want to go with Zay Flowers. But there's weather that could potentially affect games on the East Coast this week. I'm not a meteorologist. I don't play one on television. I didn't stay at a holiday in last night. So I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. But you have to keep tabs on what the weather is. If it's rainy or windy or messy on the East Coast, that could affect who you're starting. Uh, So keep tabs on that weather, especially in the Baltimore game, Cleveland, New York, and uh, all those teams playing on the East Coast. Lucky for us, Kelly went to meteorology school, so we're going to ask her about all the, yeah, the weather stuff did. later. So no, she I, I just, I just made that up. I don't, Kelly, what, I don't think no, she did. Oh, it's just a made-up yeah, okay. I made it up. I bet I, she can pretend to, to know the there. weather, right? I you feel know, like we can all act and act like we I, I can definitely pretend. I grew up, uh, growing up in Kansas, terrified of tornadoes and thunderstorms. Uh, the Weather Channel was my second favorite channel to watch. That's a whole other story, though. Funny story about Kansas. Um, if you didn't already know, my last name would suggest I'm Italian. Uh, I have family in Wichita. They have an Italian restaurant out there and they may or may not have been forced uh, to leave the tri-state area uh, for certain reasons that I, wow. I'm not going to get into. I, was gonna, <laughs> so th- I went to, I went to Kansas once. And the only thing I could remember thinking was like, damn, it's really flat here. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially in Wichita, uh, I'll have to ask my mom about said Italian restaurant. She is. I, from I Wichita. will get the name of it for you. I haven't been there in years. Uh, and, and I'll let you know. See, before I, f- I found out they had to leave town, I, I was going to ask if they were just offering Tommy DeVito a free meal at some point for just to come to Wichita. <laughs> well, you know what? If they were, I bet you'd be damn good. Yeah, for the for the tourism board. Michael Fabiano's damn good. Every week he joins us talking fantasy football with Sports Illustrated. Michael, thanks so much, man. Always appreciate this. All right, good to see you guys. Good luck this week. Good to see you too. So, Kelly, you play in one fantasy football league, right? Yeah, I – Bottom line, I am so terrible at fantasy football. I tell everybody else, no, I do a big money league. I'm now uh, in what I would call a corporation. There's four of us. I have just kept, I keep bringing in guys smarter than myself in fantasy uh, because it has just been, we call it the KIV curse. It has just been abysmal. Uh, but every time I add somebody, Clay Travis, Todd Furman, uh, those guys are both on uh, the the t- the, they each have prospective teams. They all have jokes uh, about me having so many partners, but it helps. So they don't. They go. They go solo in this league. They do uh, go I'm solo. Hearing. Okay. They have no issues with you bringing in other experts on the team. No, I think they just like to joke about it. And I should say, Clay is not solo. In fact, Clay has had to auto draft several times because he's either been on an airplane. He told me this year he let his boys draft his team, and he is already in the playoffs. In fact, can't hide money. Clay Travis lets his kids uh, draft for him in his big money fantasy league. In- incredible. It's a great life. Good life to be Clay. Kelly, this is rolling by. We're already one hour in to this three-hour show, and we're going to have more fun when we come back. Scorched Earth headlines. That's coming up next. Kelly Stewart filling in for Jonathan Hutton. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network.